0: Hi, I'm Snigdash Sharma and you're listening to 3 Things, the Indian Express News Show. In this episode, we discuss 2DG, DRDO's new oral drug for COVID-19. We also talk about the ONGC vessel disaster off Mumbai coast along with the latest COVID updates. Beginning with 2DG. On Monday, that is the 17th of May, Defence Minister Rajnath Singh and Health Minister Dr Harshwardhan released the first batch of the indigenously developed anti-COVID-19 drug 2-deoxy-D-glucose or 2-DG. The National Drug Regulator, Drugs Controller General of India, had cleared the formulation on the 1st of May for emergency use as an adjunct therapy in moderate to severe COVID-19 patients. So, to talk about how it was developed and how it is being seen as a potential drug for treating COVID 19, we were joined by Prabha So, to begin with, Prabha, can you tell us how this drug was
1: developed? So, 2 deoxy D glucose, 2DG, is basically a glucose molecule that has been studied for decades, initially for its potential use in the treatment of cancer. Even in India, several years ago, it was being tested by the Ministry of Defense's bodies for its use in non-surgical cancer treatment. Overall, around the world, I think there have been about nearly 220 clinical trials that have been conducted using 2DG for its use in cancer treatment. But so far, this drug has not been approved anywhere in the world. So the approval that we've seen India giving To 2DG for its use, the emergency, restricted emergency use approval that we've seen the Indian regulator giving for this 2DG for COVID is potentially the very first time that we've seen any regulator giving approval for the use of this molecule in any indication. Right. So how
0: does 2DG work against the COVID-19 virus?
1: So... The way 2DG works is it's expected to inhibit this process called glycolysis. It's a process by which the cells break down the glucose in your body. There were earlier lab research papers that that came out last year from Germany and Brazil that showed that those with higher levels of glucose in their bodies, so, so people like diabetics or people who were dealing with obesity, they were at a higher risk of severe COVID because glycolysis basically allowed the SARS-CoV-2 virus to replicate. There were other complications that at a higher level of glucose allowed the SARS-CoV-2 virus to create in the body, which also included the cytokine storm, which is basically this excessive immune response that can cause organ damage. Now, last year and even earlier this year, We've been hearing a lot uh, about people who've been hospitalized, who've ended up getting this immune response called a cytokine storm, which has put them in a critical condition for which people had been running around searching for specific kinds of drugs that were in short supply, drugs like tocilizumab. Now, basically what 2DG potentially is expected to do is According to the Ministry of Defense, 2DG is expected to block the growth of the virus in itself by inhibiting glycolysis, which basically could potentially increase the improvements in the symptoms that people are seeing and reduce their need for supplemental oxygen. This is basically what the Ministry of Defense has said in a statement on the 8th of May.
0: So we know that 2DG has been studied around the world for decades due to its potential benefit in cancer treatment. Realising its potential, in 2014, the DRDO's Institute of Nuclear Medicine and Allied Sciences had transferred the technology for this molecule to Dr. Reddy's lab. In May 2020, Dr. Reddy's approached the DGCI to conduct clinical trials of 2DG for COVID-19 treatment. So, how did these clinical trials go and how was the approval received for this drug? Listen to Prabha as she tells you the answer.
1: Now, an expert body under the DCGI looked at this. This expert body is called the Subject Experts Committee. So the SEC looked at, at the submission and said, well, we haven't really seen enough evidence to actually allow you to go Into late stage clinical trials with this potential molecule, we should first see how well this molecule performs in terms of its safety in people. So, you need to give us a proof of concept study, a phase two proof of concept study on a limited number of patients, maybe about 40 patients, enroll them, test the drug on them, and tell us how well it's doing. And then we'll see how it goes from there. So, around June, Dr. Eddies decided to start these phase two trials. They did a proof of concept on about 40 patients. Then later, they took the results back to the SEC. The SEC said, okay, we need to see a little more evidence. Now we should look at the different doses that can be provided of 2DG. So look at different variations in the dosing, give us some more data on this. And so they went back, they did a phase two B trial and gave results from that trial to the SEC and said, okay, well, we've done these phase two trials. We've done a proof of concept. We've done a phase two B trial. And I think all in all, according to the Ministry of Defense, about 110 patients had been tested in phase two trials. So Dr. Eddies went to the SEC and said, okay, on the basis of this, you should give us an emergency approval. We shouldn't even need to go and do phase three trials. But then the SEC looked at the information and said, well, this is a limited number of patients. You've only done it on, say, 40 to 110 people. We need to see evidence of its efficacy in a larger number of people to be able to prove that this drug is eligible for an emergency use, that it actually provides the kind of benefits that you claim that it does. And so we want you to now go and do the phase three trials that you were earlier talking about because we can't. Give you the kind of approvals that you're seeking on this limited number of data. Dr. Eddie still tried to push for the approval without doing the phase three trials, but the SEC was firm on its stance. And so, therefore, Dr. Eddie had to go ahead and conduct a phase three trial, which was done on about 220 patients across 26 to 27 sites in the country. That would basically mean, say, about less than 10 people or less than 10 patients were enrolled in this trial per site. And given the fact that not all of the patients would be provided the drug, you'd be sort of testing a certain number of patients that were enrolled for these trials against other patients that had enrolled and hadn't received 2DG as a result. So the number of people that had actually ended up receiving this drug as part of the trials would be much less. They ended up Completing those trials. Unfortunately, there is really no information that we've seen on the SEC's meeting on the final results from this trial. So, all we know is that the DCGI on the 1st of May gave an emergency use approval for this drug. And so, we're still waiting to find out what exactly led to the approval, what recommendations the SEC had given what sort of data that they'd seen. But according to the Ministry of Defence, they say that it shows good promise. It's shown a 42% improvement in the symptoms and reduction in supplemental oxygen dependence in those who'd received 2GG versus a 31% improvement in symptoms and reduction in the need for supplemental oxygen in those who just received the standard treatment.
0: Right. So Prabha, can you also tell us how has this drug been received by the medical community and pharma experts?
1: So doctors and pharma experts, scientists, everyone is on some level quite confused because they haven't really seen any published data from the clinical trials of this drug. Some say that the concept sounds promising. In fact, Some who've actually gone into the the actual structure of the molecule um, and any preclinical literature on this drug holds promise it, it really could potentially be a good addition to existing treatment against COVID. But at the same time, these people also are saying that the real test will be when you actually give it to a larger number of people. Whatever people have seen in terms of any data or any information from the trials are from the press releases that the Ministry of Defense has come out with or that Dr. Reddy's has have come out with. There's lack of clarity on how well this drug would work on any types of patients because there were specific kinds of patients that were excluded as part of the trial. So patients who had diabetes were excluded, patients who had a condition called COPD, which is a respiratory disorder, they were excluded as part of the trials. And some people were saying the fact that the way the trial was designed to be an open label trial, which means that you knew you were getting this drug, meant that there would be some sort of a placebo effect and there isn't really as much scientific rigor that has been applied in the conducting of these trials as a result, because the kind of, The sample size that was tested, the kinds of treatment outcomes that were being looked at were not clearly defined. And there really isn't any clarity on what exactly led for the regulator to give an approval for this drug. There isn't any clarity on what the phase two trials actually showed because the results of the phase two trials have not been published. And though they had finished towards the end of last year. The phase three trials, we still haven't seen any information from it that have been published for peer reviews by other scientists so that people can actually look at it and critique it and see, is this drug actually worth its salt?
0: Now, another interesting point to be noted about the drug is its link to Patanjali Ayurveda. The version launched in India offered by the DRDO with Dr. Reddy's lab is linked to a paper written in March 2020 by a team led predominantly by members of the Haridwar-based Patanjali Research Institute. The paper, which by the way is not peer-reviewed, was posted on ResearchGate with the lead author as Acharya Balakrishna, the chairman of Patanjali Ayurved. This preprint was cited in the January-February 2021 issue of the Indian Council of Medical Research's Indian Journal of Medical Research. Now, back to Prabha with the last question. So, you know, Prabha, today my dad was making me listen to this WhatsApp audio message, which had been tagged forwarded too many times. And uh, in the message, a person claimed that uh, he had been told by this doctor that a patient who was sinking, a COVID-19 patient, who was sinking had been given this new DRDO drug and his O2 saturation miraculously shot up minutes after being given the drug. So, Can you help our listeners understand why such messages are misleading?
1: Right now, at this stage, for people to be circulating videos or content that talks about how miraculous this particular drug is, is quite misleading, especially when we're in a situation where a lot of families are running around trying to get their hands on any kinds of therapy that would help save their family members who are in the hospital, who are in critical condition. I think at this moment to sort of promote a specific drug that we haven't really seen enough scientific evidence of just yet, that your doctor himself or herself has not prescribed, I think is extremely, extremely dangerous and risky and it's misleading. Another thing is, this 2DG has not really been commercially launched yet. So, for people to say that they've seen their friends or their families get better miraculously overnight or whatever with this molecule, it's kind of suspicious for me because there were certain sachets of this drug that were released, but they were released for use in specific limited hospitals. A lot of them are army hospitals, and it's not going to be available until the middle of June. So you're going to have to wait at least 20 days or so to be able to get your hands on this drug to start with. And secondly, I don't think it is wise idea for people to go ahead and start hoarding this drug or to buy or stock up on this drug to use in cases of emergency because you don't really know how this drug potentially works. You need a doctor to tell you when you're supposed to use it, if you're supposed to use it, and how you're supposed to use it. Even the executives of Dr. Reddy's laboratories, which manufactures the the drug, have said that this is an add-on therapy. By add-on, it means that it's an adjunct therapy to the standard of care. So whatever drugs are being given, this is to be given along with that. It's not a replacement of any sort to whatever you're receiving for your moderate to severe treatment of covid and it's not been officially launched per se it's only a few sachets of this drug that have been released for specific number of hospitals and even then we've not seen the scientific results from the trials so when it is finally commercially launched you're going to have to check with your doctor if this is something that you should be taking when you're down with COVID, if you're healthy, you don't have COVID, you should definitely not be going out to buy this particular sachet because it would, if it is, in fact, the miracle drug that people claim it to be, then you hoarding it when you're not even sick with COVID would then mean that someone else who really needs this drug to survive in the end will probably not be able to get their hands on it. So I think these are a few things that people should really keep in mind when they're looking at WhatsApp forwards, when they're listening to people talk about a drug, when they're asking or trying to compel you to go ahead and buy some sachets from the market and keep it. This is not something that you should be doing without the recommendation uh, or the guidance of your doctor. Now
0: coming to the ONGC disaster. In the early hours of May 17th, Cyclone Torte hit Arabian Sea off the coast of Mumbai. Now some of ONGC's major production installations and drilling rigs were located in the area. As the cyclone hit, four vessels or barges that the ONGC had put into service went adrift into the high seas. Out of these one vessel, Barge P 305, which had 261 people on board, sank. At least 49 of these personnel are now dead. As rescue operations continue, questions have been raised about why no one paid heed to the Med Department's cyclone warning. To talk about how the event unfolded and how rescue operations are being carried out, we spoke to Indian Express's Yogesh Nayak. So Yogesh, can you tell us a little bit about what are these vessels or barges and what had they been installed at the sea for? What exactly do they do?
2: So, we have this Bombay High near Mumbai and the Oil and Natural Gas Commission. They have a lot of rigs which from where they procure crude. And uh, there are a lot of vessels. There are tugs and barges which go and service these rigs. So, there are a lot of accommodation barges. Accommodation barges are vessels that carry up to 300 people, 400 people. And they are taken by a tug to the rigs. And accommodation barges are vessels where people stay on them. They keep the equipment and dinner, lunch is cooked on that. They are basically meant for staying. And these are kept near the oil rigs. So the service staff can easily go and access the rigs of the ONGC.
0: Right. So uh, how did this accident occur? How many people have been affected?
2: There were uh, four vessels totally in distress and the mishap took place with Papa 305. So, this is an accommodation barge which services the one-manned oil rig near the Hira oil fields of the ONGC. So, what happened was five anchors of this barge gave away and the rest then, you know, subsequently gave away. And they had, due to the rough weather, and, uh, then this barge went and hit the unmanned oil rig. There was a big hole. Water started coming inside this barge. And then they had been giving distress calls to the Navy, the Coast Guard, the Maritime Rescue Coordination Center in Bombay. And, um, then around five o'clock, she sunk and then everybody decided to jump in the water along with the safety equipment. There were 261 people on this accommodation barge and out of which 188 have been rescued so far. The Navy has been able to get 28 bodies so far. And the search is on for the rest who are missing.
0: So, Yogesh, did the ONGC not receive the warnings issued by the Med Department? And uh, how did they respond?
2: The Indian Meteorological Department had been continuously issuing warnings about the cyclone and the maritime rescue coordination center in bombay as well as the commander general of coast guard in bombay they had been issuing warnings to ongc and all these offshore supply vessel companies that none of the assets none of the vessels should be in the sea the coast guards commandant i uh, general of west region mr anand Badola, told me that 400 to 4,220 fishing vessels came back safely, and yet, despite warnings, these people decided to stay back. On Wednesday night, I interviewed the chief engineer of barge Papa 305, which had sunk, and he said that they had warnings, but the captain decided to stay over there, and they sent SOS calls to the tug, which was supposed to take tow them away, but the tug did not turn up. So, ONDC is saying that, yes, we had also received warnings and we had told the owner of this tug room and uh, offshore supply vessel to, and accommodation barge to come back to the shores. So, basically, this is passing the bug game that is happening right now.
0: And uh, can you also tell us about the rescue operation? How was it launched? How many people have been rescued? And uh, what is the current progress?
2: Indian Navy received the first call on the Monday morning from this Papa 305 at sunk, and subsequent calls were sent in the afternoon. They decided to sail out two warships in the sea. And the commanding officer of INS Kochi he told me that they reached the spot by evening, but they could not go anywhere near the barge or the rig because the sea was very choppy and there was always a possibility of the naval warship colliding with them so on monday evening they could not do much because it was already dark and the shipping ministry the navy was in a very bad mode because 261 people went missing but in the night a lot of people who had jumped in the sea they were pulled out and um by wednesday they have rescued 188 people the Navy also sent out it, its seeking uh, helicopters in the sea. The Coast Guard sent out rescue helicopters. Some of the people were winched up. The most serious cases and the rest have been brought to the shores by naval warships and some offshore uh, vessels of the Shipping Corporation of India. Officer who is in charge of the rescue, Commodore Manoj he tells me that the rescue operation will continue at least for three to four days. Before they decide to give up. But till then, Dornier aircraft of the Coast Guard, Dornier aircraft of the Indian Navy, these aircraft fly really low and they will be looking out for survivors and also look out for bodies that are floating in the sea. And the chief engineer was telling me that almost everybody who jumped had life jackets on. So there is still a possibility of getting some survivors.
0: And uh, finally, Yogesh, is there anything else that you would like to tell our listeners based on your conversation with concerned authorities and the workers who have been rescued?
2: ONGC oh, should have insisted. See, the DG Shipping, he has something called as Digicom Centre, which monitors all vessel tracking. The Mumbai Trust has its own cell that monitors vessel tracking. So they should have insisted That these vessels come back and Coast Guard has been warning everyone since by Saturday the weather was becoming rough. They could have sent out bigger ships and warned them and brought them back. But it seems ONGC's contractors were no mood to listen. They decided to stay back. Perhaps from what the staff tells us, they were trying to cut costs because each time going in the sea and coming back increases costs for them. So perhaps they decided to stay back for that and the chief engineer was telling me that the captain was saying that the wind speed would be just about 40 km per hour. But in reality, it was more than 100 km per hour, which led to this mishap.
0: Now, talking about the government's response to the disaster. Apart from making its recommendations to prevent such disasters, a high-level government committee has been tasked with finding out the sequence of events leading to the standing and drifting of these vessels. Also, the committee is supposed to ascertain whether the warnings issued by the Met Department and other statutory authorities were followed. It will also find out whether the standard operating procedures for securing vehicles and disaster management were followed and point out the lapses and gaps in the systems that led to the disaster that could have been prevented. And now for some COVID related updates. The Indian Council of Medical Research, or the ICMR, on Wednesday, approved the self-use rapid antigen test for COVID-19, which was developed by MyLab Discovery Solutions. The test was developed in India and has been named Self. The self-use test can be used by symptomatic individuals and immediate contacts of confirmed cases as per ICMR guidelines. Users of this test will not need a sample collection by a healthcare professional. Advising against the indiscriminate use of these kits, the ICMR has reiterated that all symptomatic individuals who test negative by rapid antigen testing should get themselves immediately tested by RT-PCR. Each kit will be provided with all testing materials, instructions to use and a biohazard bag to safely dispose it of after testing. The test is designed to be done using a nasal swab. Covi self will provide results within 15 minutes and those who test negative and continue to experience COVID-like symptoms should seek a follow-up care from their healthcare provider. The test is priced at 250 rupees, and the company will start shipping them out within a few days. With mucomycosis or black fungus creating more fear amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the Union Health Ministry has urged states and union territories to make the infection a notifiable disease under the Epidemic Diseases Act of 1897. The union government said that black fungus is leading to prolonged morbidity and mortality among COVID-19 patients. In the letter, the ministry said that a new challenge in the form of a fungal infection, namely mucormycosis, has emerged and is reported from many states among COVID-19 patients, especially those on steroid therapy and deranged sugar control. Meanwhile, the Delhi High Court has said that the centre needs to immediately import the antifungal drug Amphotericin B, which is being prescribed for the treatment of black fungus. The court said that the centre should procure it from wherever it is available in the world and it directed it to place on record steps being taken to import the medicine. You were listening to Three Things by The Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by Mies Nikdash Sharma and was edited and mixed by Suresh Pawar. You can follow us and leave us feedback on Facebook or Twitter at Express Podcasts or send us an email at podcasts at indianexpress.com. And if you like this show, please do subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts from so more people can find us. You can also look for us in the audio section in the top right corner of our website indianexpress.com.